Welcome to the Policy and Planner English podcast, where today we're talking about EHRs and EMRs, mostly EHRs. This is another one of those cases where a single idea has multiple acronyms. EHR stands for Electronic Health Record and EMR stands for Electronic Medical Record. They tend to be used interchangeably in most circumstances, although nowadays, at least in a health center like ours where we have a dental department and lots of different kinds of services, we tend to try to use EHR because it's more comprehensive. That's our guest for the show. My name is Anya Van Berklar and I'm a family doctor and the clinical director of Battenkill Valley Health Center. She uses EHRs all the time because these forms are what healthcare providers use to record what is happening with each of their patients. So a typical day starts with me running through my list of patients with my nurse or clinical assistant and we'll go through quickly each chart and identify what their anticipated problems are any testing or immunizations that they might need. So we kind of scan through the record. It's really a comprehensive repository of all the information I have about a patient. And uh, so we start by preparing for the day using the record. And then as we start to see patients, my nurse will go in, take the patient's vitals, document the chief complaint, and I take my laptop or uh, touchpad in to the exam room with me and I document the visit as I go. So I will be typing facing the patient as we talk about whatever their concern is that day. At the end of my visit, when I'm completely done with the note, which is, I'm, I'm not always done with the note right when the patient leaves the door. Sometimes it's later that night, sometimes it's the next day. But when I finish that note, I estimate how much time the visit took and I use the algorithm within the electronic health record to determine what level of visit that was, which then gets sent on to the billing office. And, and the, the electronic health record generates uh, essentially an electronic form that gets sent to the insurance company for payment. In this snapshot, you can hear some of the key things an EHR does. It allows multiple people within the organization to touch the record, like recording height and weight at the beginning of the visit. It's also putting the information into something of a standardized format. Standardization can be an important reminder to get down all the information you will need later, including for areas like billing that might not always be top of mind in the exam room, but may cause problems if there's an information gap. Standardizing also lets you compare data for that one patient and across patient groups. Let's say you have a patient working on smoking cessation. Seeing the treatment's progress for one person is good. Being able to compare with patients in similar circumstances is better. It lets you see if your patient is making less progress, more progress, or if there's something better out there. That standardization shapes how the EHR is set up, and there are some trade-offs involved. Many doctors, myself included, were trained in a model where we hand-wrote notes, and in which the note kind of reads like a story, and it's got a very specific format so that when you read a medical note pretty much anywhere in the States, it has a typical order to it. And an electronic health record formalizes that in different ways, and different ones allow more or less free texting than others. Different parts of the chart also allow more or less free texting. And the, the advantages of that are that it feels natural, the free text typing. The disadvantage is that one of the roles of the electronic health record now is to actually collate data about a patient, like 
the trend of your blood sugar results or the trend of your blood pressures. And so those data points need to be in a specific format in a specific part of the chart. So the interface for me means that I have to click from one section to another in order to enter, for example, and I'm going to prescribe a medication through the record, then I will uh, need to go to the treatment section, select a medicine from the database, send it electronically to the pharmacy. So there, there's lots of clicking and I've certainly heard feedback from patients that they would prefer me not to be typing and talking at the same time. At the same time, it does get the work done in the moment. And uh, usually if I'm sending a prescription, they at least get some benefit from it that way that it's happening right then while we're there together in the exam room. The next issue in the EHR development is sharing information beyond one primary care provider. Very few of us are going to see only one provider our entire lives. You move, they move, you get referred to a specialist, and what happens when one patient goes to a different provider? If you are lucky, and if basically if, if those health systems have invested in interfaces with each other, then it can sometimes be possible to send a direct message from one provider to another with an attachment like your last note or your last imaging report. If you're not so lucky, then it goes through an old-fashioned fax machine or sometimes through an electronic fax, so basically a, an electronic analog, but it's still getting moved into your chart by a human being. And of course, the person who needs the records isn't always at another healthcare center. Think of a child who needs an all-clear to go back to school after strep throat, or participants in special public health programs, like the tobacco cessation we used as an earlier example. Many more forms get filled out than what lives in an EHR. We usually get paper forms or faxes from the schools, from the community services. We fill them out electronically if we can, or on paper, and then we scan them into our record and fax them back or mail them back to the originating agency. In the course of a visit, we might need to do a lot of other things like order home nursing services or fill out a return to work note or complete an IEP form for school. And those each tend to be individual pieces of paper or records, sometimes electronic, but usually old-fashioned paper that need to be completed. And ideally, I, I complete those during the visit, but very often they come to us after hours and we complete them outside of the visit. You may have been adding up the inefficiencies out there waiting to be resolved, but just to recap, there's the time it takes to click through a form and get everything entered in standardized format. There's the fact that different providers use different systems and they mostly don't match up. And there's the large number of other forms that aren't linked into an EHR at all. How much of a burden is this extra time on providers? It can be a lot. In fact, there's a whole industry that exists to deal with just the data entry component. So medical scribes are individuals who either in person or remotely are present in the exam room. So either, either you have an individual who follows you around into exam rooms and types while you talk to the patient, examine the patient, and determine your, your plan. Or you have some kind of microphone that feeds to a remote scribe who may be in Arizona, or they may be in the next room, or they may be in India. And there are different businesses that basically provide these re remote or, or in-person scribing staffing models. Let's stick with managing this internally. In that case, there's a need to set your EHR system up to be as efficient as possible for your practice, then to navigate that system with the patient and also outside of patient visits, and then navigate all the record systems that don't integrate with your EHR system. I don't know what averages are across providers, but I can certainly speak for myself that for a typical visit, 
I will spend more than uh, 100% of the time of the visit. So if it's a 20 minutes, 20 minute visit, I will spend at least that much time again in preparing for the visit, finishing the note, doing other documentation afterward. More often, it can be twice as long as that. It's an enormous amount of work. I'm probably not the most efficient clinician in the world, and I recognize that. Some of that is driven by the inefficiency of an electronic health record, but some of it is just the demands that are placed on primary care for reporting, for meeting certain quality standards, things that you might not think of. So the the three minutes that your doctor spends talking to you about quitting smoking and they're helping you figure out whether a patch is appropriate or gum or lozenges or nothing at all, that gets documented in a very separate way so that we can get credit for doing the right thing for you. And each of those individual measures takes time. That doesn't address the interoperability issue between competing EHRs or lack of any system, which is something that a single healthcare provider in fact won't solve on their own. I don't think that there's really any electronic health record that offers everything that clinicians need from it and that also provides seamless interaction with all the different places that need this information, with the billing side, but also with interfacing with your area healthcare system. So if I need to be able to send information seamlessly to my local hospital and I have an EMR that's different, it requires a lot of investment financially and in terms of person hours to set up that interface. And I hope that in the future there'll be an EMR that interfaces better and also doesn't require as much meaningless clicking. In two upcoming episodes, we'll take a look at projects designed to tackle the problems of getting systems talking to each other. I don't know if either of them solve the problem of meaningless clicking, but we can ask. We'll be discussing the VHI, or Vermont Health Information Exchange, that stores information from many different systems, and a relative newcomer to the game, Care Navigator, which is a platform that lets providers from different organizations collaborate on a patient's treatment. That's in future episodes of the Policy in Plainer English podcast. <laughs>